And I believe that the moves that gold and silver will make when that is done to prevent banks like Bank of America from completely failing will be so extreme that they will shock even the most ardent of gold and silver bugs and bulls like myself. Well, hello there, my friends. Rafi here from the Endgame Investor. This week's silver report for our Cadia Economics. And for those who are concerned, there is nothing happening in my town in Israel. Everything has been quiet here, as opposed to almost every other city in Israel. Why is it quiet here? I don't know, but I'm not taking it for granted. Anything could happen any day, any hour. The latest is that Yemen has apparently declared war on Israel, so uh, Yemen. Yemen. <laughs> that's right, yes, Yemen. Yemen, that actually sounds like a real country. <laughs> so I guess uh, World War Three is a step closer. I don't know anymore. But anyway, this week I actually want to talk about Bank of America as a microcosm, or it's hard to call like a mega cap, mega bank uh, microcosm, but it represents what is happening in the banking system, why all of the held to maturity securities on these dying banks balance sheets are going to have to be sold once the reverse repos run out, which is going to happen in the next three months or so, and why the Fed is going to have to pick up the entire bill. And that is probably when the dollar will finally die, which would be great around now, because then there won't be any money to fund World War III with, which is, you know, a pretty good thing for humanity, all the side effects considered. And as always, this week's Silver Report is brought to you by Fortuna Silver Mines, symbol FSM. What happened this week? Let's take a look. Oh, a victory against a government agency that is always good news. Fortuna receives positive decision from Mexican court, which reinstates the San Jose Mine Environmental Impact Authorization. Remember the fight that they had with this government bureaucracy body called Some Are Not, as in some bureaucracies are friendly to mining and some are not. Vancouver, October 30th, 2023, Fortuna Silver Mines, Inc. reports that the federal, Mexican Federal Administrative Court, in quotes, has ruled in the court, yeah, the court, has ruled in favor of Minera Buzcatlan, Fortuna's Mexican subsidiary, and reinstated the 12-year Environmental Impact Authorization, EIA, for the San Jose Mine. On January 2nd, 2023, Minera Catlan received written notice of resolution issued by the Secretaria de Medio Ambiente y Recursos Naturales Samarnat. Okay, so that's what it stands for. I didn't know that. In its ruling, the court dismissed the allegations of Samarnat contained in the annulment resolution. So that is a crushing victory for Fortuna Silver Mine. So these fundamental issues will no longer bother them. The court stood up for its right to mine silver in Mexico. Always a good thing when we're on the brink of a monetary catastrophe to be able to dig more money up from the ground. So let's continue with this week's Silver Report. As I said, I want to start with Bank of America here. This is a five-year chart, I believe, Bank of America has been in decline. The stock, at least, has been in decline since the money supply started to contract on an annual basis beginning in 2022. We see here the an all, uh, a high for the stock uh, at the beginning of 2022. I think it's an all-time high, but we'll see on the next chart. I don't remember exactly. Uh, I have a longer-term chart in the next one, but I want it to be a surprise because I don't remember if this is an all-time high. I think it is. But anyway, we're down from around 47.50, an all-time high in early 2022, to 25.30. That's almost a 50% decline in the stock 
in in a year and a half. So we see here that this line where we are right now at 25.30 is the point where the breakdown occurred during the 2020 lockdown crazy suicidal crisis. And we have here a cross of the weekly averages, the blue line below the red line. And when this occurs and the stock is below that line, it usually signals the beginning of a major, major decline. And we're going to see that right now. So this is a long-term chart of Bank of America going back to 1990. During the 2008 financial crisis, this bank really got destroyed from, I think that it's a logarithmic chart, so I can't quite make it out, maybe $40 to around $2.50 during the 2008 financial crisis. But what I wanted to point out is this. And yes, the 2022 high was an all-time high. And we are headed back into a zone where in 2008, right, the the big, big drop from around where we are now to $2.50 in early 2009, that began at this pivot over here. Uh, and it, this also was uh, the, the pivot point for the 2000, not, sorry, the 1998 Asian financial crisis. If you remember that, I was in eighth grade at the time. I don't know where you were. And if you're 25 or below, you weren't alive. So 1998, this is the same point where that crash happened. And every time there's a major financial crisis, yeah, Bank of America gets really destroyed. It happened the same thing in 1990 during the recession of 1990. Uh, but the point is I wanted to make about these uh, averages is that when the blue line crosses below the red line, meaning the 50-week moving average moves below the 20, uh, the 200-week moving average, and the stock remains below it at that point, below that cross at that point, then the bear market is not over. This happened here in the year in, in early 2000. The cross happened in early 2000, and the bear market continued for another year into late 2000, early 2001, and then the uh, bull market continued to 2007. We see here Another cross here of the of the 50 week below the 200 week moving average, and then we had a, a the the worst bear market in Bank of America's history, all the way down to dollars and fifty cents, and uh, that happened. It was the same uh, situation here. Now we see here we have a situation where the blue line goes below the red line. However, the stock was already recovering at the time, and the bottom was over here. So the the bull market continued, and the same thing here after uh, the 2020 the March 2020 crash. Uh, but here we have what was happening in 2008 with the blue line crossing below the red line while the stock was below that cross. Uh, here we are again, and we're at that pivot point, which means could mean in a technical sense, if you follow Bank of America and you think that it is a bellwether for the rest of the financial health of the banking system in the U.S., and I believe that it is, uh, that we're very, very close to a waterfall decline in Bank of America. And I will give you fundamental reasons for that. And I'll explain how it plugs into gold and silver in a second. This is the fundamental reason for the uh, uh, for Bank of America being in dire straits right now. Uh, these are the uh, gross unrealized gains and losses and what is attributing to them. And the only thing that really matters here are the last two rows. So here you have total held to maturity debt securities. Uh, losses are $131.6 billion. Now, look at this number over here. Of the 100, uh, of those 131, you could say 136 billion if you're counting available for sale, uh, which is only a few billion, but let's just say 136.2 billion total. 106.9 billion of that over here and the are agency mortgage-backed securities. They are not U.S. treasuries. 
the treasuries and government agency securities, there are unrealized losses there. But since those are pretty much backed by the Fed when they need to be backed by the Fed, they're not as serious. And it's only $23 billion, and they could theoretically be held to maturity. But the agency mortgage-backed securities, that's the housing market. There are down $107 billion in housing debt. And you could say, sure, but Bank of America can just hold them to, to maturity because they're held to maturity securities. But what happens if they need to sell them to raise money because there's a, a, a run on cash and people are withdrawing dollars faster than Bank of America can redeem them, which is exactly what happened to the regional banks before the Fed bailed them out by buying all of their securities at par on a loan. What could cause a run and a run to cash and deposits being withdrawn from Bank of America and Mass? Well, this could. Reverse repos. I've been following these daily, and I think they are the most important thing to keep track of now. When the reverse repos fall to zero, that is going to signal the next financial crisis at the latest, not on the day that it goes to zero, but somewhere around there. Uh, you know, I don't want to be pinned down to a specific day here, but this chart doesn't show. This chart shows the week-to-week -week movements now we are at 1.079 trillion, which is a new low uh, since the highs were reached in 2022, I think around here. So this is the week to week movements. Now I want to show you what was happening on October 31st. October 31st is significant because it's an end of month day. The end of the month is typically a day when banks rebalance their books and put a lot of money into the reverse repo facility. So there's typically a spike up at end of month. So I highlighted the October end of month days. Uh, for the last two years, uh, and they are October 29th, 2021, because October 30th and 31st was a weekend. So this was the last business day of October 29th on that book balancing day. And reverse repos went up $117.6 billion on Monday, October 31st, 2022. Uh, see another spike here. It, they were up $92.169 billion. Now look at Tuesday, October 31st, 2023, this week. RRPs, even though it was a book balancing day, which means that RRPs typically go up, spike high heavily on book balancing end of month days, this uh, this did not happen here. The, the reverse repos were still down $338 million on the last day of October, 2023, and they fell by $57 billion yesterday, which is uh, November 1st as I'm recording this. So my point is, if the RRPs cannot replenish themselves on book balancing days, it means that they're going to continue to drain fast. And I think that drainage will increase in rate once the Treasury auctions begin again on November 7th and the Treasury has uh, issued its refunding requirements and they're going to increase the size of auction. I think they plan to raise something like $776 billion net this quarter, or it could be $1.5 trillion, but you know, whatever it is, it is. It's some gargantuan number that is going to drain the rest of this stuff. And when they do, there are going to be no more emergency dollars to borrow for treasuries and interest rates are going to skyrocket. And that is when a cash run could happen in the big banks and Bank of America could be in trouble and be forced to sell its held to maturity securities. Because what is the difference between available for sale and held to maturity? It's just an accounting gimmick. There's no law that says they can't sell these things. They just don't plan to. So they can pretend that it, they have it at face value, even though it's not face value. But you know that was uh, a new regulation, I think, after the 2008 financial crisis or something. They make up new fake rules that aren't in tune with reality, and they wonder why they're not in tune with reality. Because you can't just like, you know, wish away the law of gravity, just like you can't wish away the laws of economics. It's the same thing. And how is this related to gold and silver? Well, 
when there is a run on cash, that means the Fed has to print one last time and they will do it immediately this time. And I believe that the moves that gold and silver will make when that is done to prevent banks like Bank of America from completely failing will be so extreme that they will shock even the most ardent of gold and silver bugs and bulls like myself. There will be no time to chase. But for now, why is gold outperforming silver? If we are on the verge of a financial catastrophe, the dollar should be strengthening, and it is. So why is gold outperforming? And this might be the answer. Why gold is outperforming silver? We have this chart from Bloomberg that says buying binge. Central banks continue to buy lots of gold, and this is true. We're going to put this in context in a second. So the appetite of central banks for gold has increased dramatically since 2022, and this central bank gold buying, since they don't buy silver, silver is not worth it for them. It is too uh, hefty of a commodity and it doesn't have enough concentration of value. Gold is the bank's money and silver is the public's money. The public has not woken up yet, but it might be the central banks have, but it's not going to help them. We'll get into why in a second. The paragraph here from this Bloomberg article to which this chart was attached says countries expanded uh, bullion reserves by 337 tons in the three months through September, the World Gold Council said in a report Tuesday that follows an increase of 175 tons in the second quarter, which was bigger than the council's previous estimate of 103 tons. So central banks are buying more gold than the council, whoever that council is. I don't know what the council, who's on the council? Anyone on the council? I don't know who's on the council, but they say things and apparently it's important, whatever. So why doesn't this matter? It matters for the gold price in the short term, but it doesn't really matter in the long term. It's not going to save any currencies and here's why it won't. This is the long-term chart of gold purchases and liquidations going back to 1950. So we see here that from 1950 to 1964, I think this is the uh, London gold pool over here collapsing right here in 1968, 1969. This is when they sold a bunch of gold to try to keep the gold pool at a constant price. And that was like the eve of the collapse of Bretton Woods with gold at $35 an ounce and the closing of the gold window by Nixon. So there was a whole bunch of gold buying in the 1950s and early 1960s. And then big sales and then pretty much nothing. There was just pretty, there was like net sales, mostly net sales from 1968 that collapsed the gold pool until 2009. And now, yes, central banks have been buying gold since 2009 every year and what they do and it's great for gold. And that does have to do with uh, gold's rise. It's not disconnected completely, but no, it's not going to save any currencies because even as central banks have been buying gold since 2010, it has not helped any currency. The currencies are collapsing in real terms. Hyperinflation is at the door. Why doesn't it matter? Because if, if the currencies are not directly convertible to a fixed amount of gold, the amount of gold on a balance sheet of a central bank doesn't matter because people won't trust it if it's not convertible and it won't be. So central bank gold buying is really irrelevant in the long term or even in the short term now if the end game is short term away and it could be. So it affects the spot price, but it does not save the currencies. I know, I guess that's the best of both worlds. And so what I'm saying here is that the central banks appear to have woken up, but their moves will not save their gold derivatives, which are the currencies. They will all die. And since the central banks have woken up, it's only a matter of time until the public does, and they will buy silver, just like the central banks are now buying gold. But for most of them, it will be too late because the stackers will already have what they need, and it'll be up to us to distribute it, not for other currencies, but for goods and services directly, because it will be the money by which the division of labor is maintained and whatever remains of society after this is done 
is salvaged. Everything will be fine, but there will be chaos in the short term. In the meantime, this is Rafi reporting from a potential war zone again. Still quiet. I was able to record this whole video without any sirens. And with God's help, I'll be able to say the same thing next week. 15, Yemen Road, Yemen. Okay, goodbye.